Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions, and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. Question from Mimi. Hello, Professor. May I ask your opinion on the probability of achieving pregnancy with a short luteal phase, 8 to 10 days on average? What would be your advice for management of a FET with a short luteal phase? I mean, it's, there's varying opinions on the on what constitutes a short luteal phase. But you know, I personally believe that there are some women who have them. I did some work well, a long time ago now where we, we measured ovulation and then looked at the days of cycles in a number of women over a series of cycles. And what we showed was, in fact, there is probably a short luteal phase in every woman at least once or twice a year. But there are probably women who, who whose progesterone levels don't sustain the lining of the womb for the full 14 days. Progesterone is the, is the culprit. So how do we correct that? In normal cycles, if we use a drug that, that stimulates ovulation a bit stronger, like clomiphene, it has been shown that progesterone levels are higher in the second half of the cycle. That may be because we're producing an extra egg as well. So that's in, in trying to fall pregnant spontaneously. In the IVF world, it's important to load up the endometrium with progesterone. And the easiest way of doing that is to use progesterone pessaries or progesterone tablets uh, in the vagina. If you had a deficient phase, we'd, we'd probably use our more maximum doses of those drugs rather than the, the lesser doses. So for instance, with pessaries, they come in 200s or 400 milligrams. I'd be using 400 milligrams in you from uh, the second or the day after uh, egg retrieval until uh, your pregnancy test, and then maybe even beyond that. How quickly after full-time Pregnancy, can you safely do another full-term pregnancy? Can you safely do another stimulated round? Thanks, Prof. I'm 38, had three miscarriages due to chromosomal issues, different issues after each miscarriage, and an infant death at four days old due to a genetic, genetic disorder, chromosomally normal. What's the likelihood of getting a chromosomally and genetically healthy baby? We PGS plus test all embryos and both parents, no abnorm abnormalities. Go and see a clinical geneticist of high repute, depending which which um, state you're in. Um, I'd be prepared to to, to suggest um, names. That sounds like a complicated problem that I would be referring you on to a clinical geneticist to discuss. Question from Hannah: Is it possible to have a successful embryo transfer? with endo. My endo had not been investigated. It's only suspected. But my doctor seems to think it won't be an issue. Thanks in advance. Yeah, unless you've got signs of severe endometriosis, he's probably right. If you're not going to have a laparoscopy, then uh, ultrasound by a, a highly skilled ultrasound group. Um, in, for instance, in New South Wales, we've got three groups that are run by gynecologists, three ultrasound practices, and 
the reports they give are, are really quite specific about um, severe degrees of endometriosis. And if you had one of those, probably I would intervene before doing an embryo transfer. But if they show nothing, I'd be happy to progress to the IVF transfer. Question from Wendy. Hello, Prof. Have there been any new drugs slash procedures slash treatments in the last three years since I stopped IVF after near three years of failed cycles slash miscarriages, etc.? One of my issues that I was unable to grow my uterine lining enough to do an implantation. Numerous things tried. Is endometrial scratching slash stem cell therapy options? Well, endometrial scratch doesn't make any difference. There are people who are suggesting that the stem cell uh, or the yeah, stem cell type therapy may improve uh, endometrial growth in women who have uh, Asherman syndrome. That's where there's virtually there's no lining. I haven't seen any evidence that, in, that um, anything else increases the, end, the endometrial lining growth. Back with, you know, I would be using maybe high doses of estrogen, uh, but there's nothing new. And I'm sure three years ago, whoever's looking after you was doing those sorts of things. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him, michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. 